99.7 FM and WEGQ Quad on 91.7 FM. WEGB is also broadcast on W227 AN, Southampton, 93.3 FM. Is all that I can give to you. Love is more than just a game for two. Two in love can make it. Take my heart and please don't break it. Love was made for me and you. Welcome to Love Savers Radio, ministering the blessings of covenant. God supernaturally healed and restored our marriage after seven years of divorce. We are living proof that God can and will heal your marriage by the power of his love. Just ask and believe. Remember what God has joined together. Let no man separate. This is Walter and Sandy Fox from Love Savers Ministry with the mission to minister the blessings of the marriage covenant by enriching, encouraging, strengthening, and praying for the healing of marriages, especially marriages in crisis. Love Savers Radio is sponsored by Living Water Church, located at 69 Industrial Road in Wainscott, under the leadership of Pastor Joe Kelly and his lovely wife, Margaret. Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. with a pre-service prayer meeting at 9.30. Pastor Joe invites you to come and be refreshed. For more information, please call 631-537-2120. That's 631-537-2120. For more information, our special guest today is Gary Thomas, who is the author of several books, including Sacred Marriage, Sacred Pathways, Pure Pleasure, and Sacred Parenting, and the award winning book Authentic Faith. Gary has spoken at conferences, retreats, and college campuses in 49 states, eight countries, including appearances at Focus on the Family National Marriage Simulcast, The Gaithers Praise Gathering and several national pastor conventions. Gary also brought thousands of married couples closer together through his popular book, Sacred Marriage, and his seminar, Sacred Marriage. Gary lives with his wife and children in Washington State. And Gary asked the question, what if God designed marriage to make us holy more than happy? He also asked, what if it's not about who you marry, but why? And Gary goes on to say the book Sacred Marriage isn't a book that seeks to tell you how to have a happier marriage. It's a book that looks at how we can use the challenges, the joys and struggles and celebrations of marriage to draw us closer to God. You can learn more about Gary's powerful ministry and his marriage seminar itinerary at www.garythomas.com. That's www. GaryThomas.com. Today, Sandy will talk with Gary about his book, Sacred Marriage, published by Zondervan. Sandy, happy birthday. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Today is my birthday, and this is a special gift, and it was a special gift just reading your book, Gary. You are a fantastic writer. I love the pictures you paint with words. It's really touching. I recommend Sacred Marriage for everyone. And the purpose of this book, I feel, is to help our marriages and in our marriages draw us closer to God, is it not? 
Well, Gary, the Bible tells us that God felt it. Gary, are you on the line? I, I, I am. I can barely hear Sandy. I hear you very well. Oh, I'm okay. Sorry. All right. How about now? That's much better. I'm All right, sorry. Great. Yes, yeah. All Gary. Right. Thank, thank God you're there. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> the Bible tells us that God felt it wasn't good for man to be alone, so he recated, created Eve so we would have a companion. He would, of course. And they would uh, populate the earth. He asked that also. But your book gets us to think about what if God designed marriage to make us holy more than just happy. And I love your quotes from the first chapter, the first one by Socrates, by all means <laughs> marry. If you get a good wife, you'll be happy. If you get a bad one, you'll become a philosopher. <laughs> and W.H. Auden, which really says it, like everything which is not the involuntary result of fleeting emotion, but the creation of time and will. In other words, our choice. Any marriage, happy or unhappy, is infinitely more interesting than any romance, however passionate. That definitely gives us hope. So this is a book that looks at how we can use the challenges, joys, struggles, and celebrations of marriage to draw us closer to God and grow us in Christian character. And could you explain about writing your book, um, why you wrote this book? Yeah. Well, I've written several books on spiritual formation, how we become more like Christ, how we grow in intimacy with God, but I was noticing, yeah, I love reading the Christian classics, those ancient books that were written hundreds or even over a thousand years ago, and most of them had this model of like a monk or a nun, you know, that you yes. go off and do monkish things or things that you do in a convent, you get away in personal prayer retreats and fasting and meditation, and I'm all for those. I think there certainly is a place for all of that in the Christian life. But what I experienced was that my marriage and then later parenting were shaping me spiritually far more deeply than a lot of those individual exercises, and I didn't see anybody that was dealing with that. And when you think about it, what will stretch your character more? Going away on a weekend uh, you know, prayer retreat by yourself or getting in an SUV with three kids and a spouse and driving cross-country? Oh. We don't have to pit those two against each other. God can use both. But I was trying to recapture this whole notion of how God uses marriage, God uses parenting to shape us, to reveal himself to us, to refine us, to help us see our sin, and then give us a place where that sin can be worn off as we seek to become more and more like Christ. Yes. What advice do you have for the newlyweds facing their first year of marriage? Well, you're going to see a side of yourself, and you're going to see a side of each other that you've never seen before. Uh, my wife and I have been married 29 years now. We went through premarital counseling in the mid-'80s, and, and I'd say at the time it was great premarital counseling, but while we were warned about how to deal with in-laws and how to deal with financial issues and how to resolve conflict and keep romance alive, again, all important issues, Nobody had mentioned this spiritual challenge, that you're going to see your pride in a new way. You're going to experience anger in a new way. You're going to see your selfishness in a new light. And, and here's 
the temptation. We often don't like what we see in that. And, and I've talked to a number of couples that have gotten a divorce, and when you're working in recovery, a lot of them will confess, while they're very frustrated with the spouse they left behind, they're just as frustrated with who they were in that relationship. They did things, they said things, they acted in ways they never imagined that they would ever act. And so the temptation is to run to somebody else who hasn't seen our stuff, and, and, and we think we're going to try harder. I, I think instead we need to let our marriages refine us, recognizing that we're going to see a side of ourselves that, that we may not appreciate, that we didn't notice as singles, because we could run from it if we're in difficult relationships. But that's really God's grace. Jesus has died for those sins. Jesus has promised His Holy Spirit to transform us from our sins. And so we have to accept the revelation of marriage as a gift and a fun challenge and not something to run from and certainly not something to let tear apart our homes. Right. What is one thing husbands and wives should do, would you say, this week to strengthen their marriage and their own relationship with God? I think for me one of the most important things I've done is really see how my marriage connects with my worship. When I recognize that the day I got married, I got two father-in-laws, my earthly father-in-law and my heavenly father-in-law. Yet the Bible tells us in 1 John 3 that how great God's love is for us, that we should be called children of God. In Ephesians 5.1, it's emphasized, it says, we are dearly loved children. And when I finally had kids of my own, and I realized just what a parent feels for their kids, I realize there is no better way for me to worship God than to take care of his little girl. Lisa isn't just my wife. She's God's daughter. And and the, the benefit of treating her as God's daughter is that God always deserves to be reverenced. The challenge we have in marriage is the Bible's promise in James 3 that we all stumble in many ways. All of us. We, we, we all do. And so if our love is based on how our spouse treats us, and the Bible promises us that our spouse is going to treat us in some ways that, that aren't always holy. Well, our love is going to be shifting in and out based on how our spouse treats us. If I love my wife based on the fact that she is God's daughter and I am forever indebted to God and I'm to love her out of reverence for God, she will never stop being God's daughter. Every year she gets older, she's still God's daughter. If she gets cancer, she's still God's daughter. If she got addicted... She's still God's daughter. She got Alzheimer's. She would still be God's daughter. And so now my marriage is based on something that's eternal. My gratitude to God, my worship of God, and, and that has carried my marriage forward because worship has become more important to me every year of my life, which means then by corollary, my marriage has become dearer and more important to me every year of my life. Yes, that is such a beautiful thing to think about how your wife is a child of God, his little girl, and vice versa. That is, you know, like you're the son, a son of God. It is so powerful. Right, and that never changes. Do you think marriage is supposed to do more than just make us happy? Well, absolutely. And that, you know, since the book has come out, I've seen blog posts where people debate, is marriage for holiness or happiness? I never intended to suggest that we choose between the two. In fact, I believe when we're growing in, in holiness, we're growing in happiness. Yes. God isn't capricious in His commands. 
Sin is what brings misery into our life. You don't see truly happy addicts. You don't see people who are misusing others and manipulating others and stealing from that They're not truly happy. So what I was just trying to do is bring a balance back, that we are so evaluating on a daily basis. Am I happier today than I was yesterday? Well, because the Bible says we're married to somebody who stumbles in many ways, that sense of happiness will naturally ebb and flow. Science tells us the feelings of infatuation will naturally ebb and flow. But the call to become like Christ, the call to Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, or Peter's call to us in Second Peter to make every effort to add your faith goodness and to patience and self-control, all those virtues of Christ, those things carry us forward every day. So I was just trying to take marriage from the shifting sands of something that isn't constant and put it on a biblical purpose that grows in importance, that grows every day. And, and I think that gives us reason in our marriage when we are in those seasons where, look, every marriage has this, where you just you don't feel like you're connecting and you're getting a little bit on each other's nerves. And, and, and sometimes we just have to settle back and say, what's the bigger picture? Why am I doing this? And when we realize that, then it gives us new energy to give ourselves to each other in a newer and deeper way. Right. Is marriage more than just a union between a man and a woman? I mean, you talk about how you really have to make room for God, and how do you make room for God in your marriages? And who should come first in your life, your spouse or God? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I I don't believe that we have it on our own to do what marriage calls us to do. If, If we think we can be married on our own strength, I don't think we really get what Paul was saying when he said to husbands, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. I think you're right there. When I look at the self-sacrificing way that Christ loved the church, I can't do that on my own. And so really, the call to be married is a call to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I need yes. God's love. I yes. need God's grace. I, I keep going back to James yes. 3, too, but if the Bible tells me that we all stumble in many ways, it's telling me my wife will stumble in many ways, which means I need God's grace to forgive her. It means I need God's grace to love her, just as she needs God's grace to forgive me far more often than I forgive her. And so it's just center up that, that, that God is really the, what holds our marriage together, pursuing Him, worshiping Him, loving Him, and then being loved by Him. I mean, the Bible is very clear that we love because He first loved us. And so it's my call every day to set myself before my Heavenly Father and say, Lord, fill up my heart. Let me remember how much I'm accepted by you. And and I'm sure you understand me, but for me, when I'm connecting with the Lord, it's so much easier for me to focus on giving and loving my wife. When I become a stranger to God, when I'm not taking that time to really hear from Him and be affirmed by Him and feel accepted by Him, I become more demanding of my wife. Then I'm wanting her to love me. I'm wanting her to pick up the pieces. And so I think the worst thing we can do is become lazy in our devotional life because then we just increase our demands on our spouse, and we're asking something of them that they weren't designed to give. They're designed to be our husband or our wife. They were never created or designed to be our God. Right. Gary, I just want to jump in here with a question. Uh, One of the things that we discovered in our marriage uh, was prayer. 
is so 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 important to our 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 life together and our life with the Lord. You've counseled, I'm sure, many many people and have great insights. What what's your opinion about that, and and how how do you encourage? What what are the tools you use to encourage couples to pray? Well, here's the thing. You know, we often hear studies that Christians have the same divorce rate as non-Christians, mm. and that's not a very helpful study, because when you have a more particular study that talks about what kind of Christian you are, for instance, there's a French study that found when couples actually pray together, they're, they're praying with each other and for each other on a regular basis, five times or more a week, they almost never get divorced. Wow. I mean, it's, it's less than 1%. Mm. And so... We have to be more specific. There's something about spending time in God's presence that knits our hearts together. One, you're going to have to forgive each other. You, you can't sit there before the Lord and, and hold on to bitterness and resentment. Amen. Two, it, it means you take care. So, you know, I think couples pray in different ways, some in the morning, some at night, some on dates, some around the table. So I'm, I'm a little wary of saying this is the best way to pray, mm-hmm. but I couldn't agree with you more that, Prayer is a is such a huge help to every marriage, and, and frankly, we all could focus on that a little Amen. bit more. Right. We should pray without ceasing. How can marriage deepen our individual faith, Gary? How can deepen our individual faith? Yes. Well, what I you know when I look at how First Corinthians thirteen describes love. It's interesting. One of the things it says is that love believes all things and hopes all things. And and just as a pastor, I've heard so many spouses give up on their spouse. We've talked this over time and time again. He said he was going to do that. She said she was going to do that. Things are never going to change. And people just feel despondent as they look into the future. But, but Paul tells us that real love, empowered by God, birthed in God, believes all things and hopes all things. And so my hope in my marriage is not in the fact that uh, I'm married to a stupendous woman, though I, I happen to be, but it's married in the fact that it's rooted in the fact that I'm married to a stupendous woman who has God in her. And as long as God is in the equation, hope makes a whole lot of sense. God knows how to call sinners to repentance. God knows how to tame our pride. God knows how to open our eyes when we're blinded. God knows how to call people out of sin. I mean, your own story, that God could call a couple that was estranged and divorced back together and to start over again, it should be a testimony to every couple listening that there is reason to believe all things and to hope all things, because God has done it in the past, and that proves he can do it in the future. Right. Should there be any secrets, do you think, in a marriage, and some things better left unsaid? Well, certainly not any substantive secrets. I mean, if you're keeping a secret about a Christmas present or something like that, you know, I think that's just a part (laughs) of real life. But I think we lose so much when we start lying to each other. One of the most healing aspects of marriage for me has been that my wife knows my stuff, she knows me better than anyone ever has or ever will. And wonder of wonders, she still likes me, she still respects me, she still wants to, to be with me. And, and I can't tell you, for a guy who's rather insecure and has dealt with guilt his whole life, just how healing and affirming that is. But 
if I was hiding from her, if I had this secret life, if I was deceiving her, I would lose that completely. I'd be thinking, well, she likes me because she doesn't know about X. Well, she respects me because she doesn't know about Y and Z. And so I, I would say to the husbands out there, if you're lying to your wife, you're missing one of the best benefits of marriage, that being fully known and fully loved. And, of course, wives will do this with their husbands as well. And here's the thing. We, we cannot be intimate with somebody we're lying to. It, it's putting up a wall, and, and we're, we're destroying the whole benefit of true intimacy. And, and I don't get the whole point of marrying someone that you then want to hide from. Uh, you lose the benefits of marriage, but you still have the responsibilities of marriage. And to me, that just seems backwards. If, if we're married to a believer who we know will forgive us, who is receiving God's grace, then we can be honest, we can grow together, we can show grace to each other, and, and it's, just, it's just a wonderful thing to share the grace of Christ together. You've been married for over 25 years. What insight can you give us on sustaining a marriage from your own personal experience? Well, I, I would go back to what I said about rooting my marriage in worship. And then I think the other thing that has really held me together is this whole notion that when I got married, I thought my greatest need was to be loved. Uh, I wanted to find someone who would always have my back, who would always be there, who would never let me down. And, and I think that's really what most people seek. But I think God looks at it 180 degrees differently. From God's perspective, we couldn't be loved more than we've already been loved. He's loved us by, with Christ on the cross. We may not be experiencing that love because we're not cultivating that kind of relationship with God, but it's there if we want it. And so I believe that God would say, your greatest need isn't to be loved. Your greatest need is to learn how to love. I, I could give you 15 verses where we're called to love extravagantly, love even our enemies, love not with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. To, husbands love your wives. Older women train younger women how to love their husbands. Uh, husbands love your wives, never treat them harshly. I mean, there's so many biblical passages that call us to love. You can't find any that say, no, what your greatest need is to find that person to love you. And so when I really believe, if I can in my heart be convinced that my greatest need is to learn how to love, then I appreciate every day of marriage, because there isn't a day of marriage when I don't have an opportunity to grow in love. If you're married to somebody, it's like, okay, how do I grow in patience? My marriage is helping me grow in patience. How do I grow in kindness? My marriage is helping me grow in kindness. And so if I really want to become better at loving, I'll appreciate those things of marriage I used to resent. If if I think my greatest need is to be loved, and my spouse doesn't notice me as much as I think I should be noticed, or my spouse doesn't appreciate me as much as I think I should be appreciated, well, then I become resentful and frustrated. Hmm. And, and so I think if we'll accept God's notion that our greatest need is not to be loved, but to learn how to love, right. we look at our marriage in an entirely new light, and every day becomes an adventure, become a little bit better at loving somebody who stumbles in many ways. Right. I loved your last paragraph that really called us to no longer defining our relationship to God in solitary terms, but working together to present ourselves as a holy unit. And yeah. I love this picture you painted, a pair of cherubim mm -hmm. in the middle of whom God's presence is radically enlivened. 
Oh, how beautiful. Well, it is. When you look at the history of the church, we have often exalted the individuals. But I'm, I'm just as inspired by the couples that have gotten together. You know, you couldn't tell Billy Graham's story without Ruth Graham's story. Right. And you couldn't tell Ruth's story without Billy's story. Amen. Um, I'm at a church in Houston, Texas right now. Dr. Young and Joe Beth Young have served that church faithfully. It's got 60,000 members, and, and, and they're, they're just a unit. I mean, they, the way they, they work together. And I, I think that's more of a vision that we need to paint for people, that... Yes. When we have a mission-minded marriage to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness together, then it's about being a couple thing. It's, it's not this solitary pursuit, but we're encouraging each other. We're lifting each other up. And, and I think that's what God called us to in Genesis 1.28, when He said to a man and a woman, be fruitful, multiply, rule over the earth. He's saying to them as a couple, I want you to take dominion. It's just more fun and more fulfilling and richer to do that with somebody you love than to do it on your own. Yes, and that's the and call our, the church. Yes, and our marriage matter for the day is those who are forgiven much, love much. Yes. Amen. Gary, we want to thank you for being with us today. Uh, your insights and your book, very powerful uh, information, and I believe God is using you in a, in a mighty way. And we appreciate you so much, and hopefully we can have you back with us uh, at another time. And uh, as I said earlier, that uh, if anyone wants more information about you and your ministry, they can go to www.garythomas.com. Is there any other uh, thoughts that you wanted to leave us with? Well, just again, I would echo your happy birthday, and thank you for your ministry and and your testimony. I mean, here's what I'd like listeners to hear. Because... The two of you were willing to do the work to have God restore your marriage. You're able to have this ministry today. Amen. And Amen. Couple, Thank you for that. Hold on to that. It's it's our daily obedience that then creates further opportunities to ministers. I think you two are just a beautiful example of how God can bring life out of what's been broken. Oh, well, thank you so much, yeah, and God bless, bless you. you. God bless your family, and hopefully we'll meet you someday. All right. Thank you so much. Amen. Thank All you, right. Gary. Bye. Bye now. Well, that was a wonderful, wonderful interview, Sandy. Um, our guest next week is Bill and Pam Farrell, and they wrote a book, which is kind of an interesting title, Men Are Like Waffles, Women Are Like Spaghetti, which would be really interesting, Understanding and Delighting in Your Differences. We also want to remind the listeners that you can email us at lovesavers1 at aol.com or go to our website, www.lovesaversministry.com, And we're available to conduct Love Savers marriage seminars at churches and also available for individual prayer time. Just email us at our email address, or if you want to, you can call us at 917-804-5034. That's 917-804-5034. And so we're we're going to, uh, we're just going to leave you with, uh, with a thought. And the thought, and it's a song actually, it's uh, rain or shine. Um, Jesus loves you always, and uh, I will always love you no matter what, come rain or shine. And uh, we hope you have a blessed day, and we pray that God just enrich you. And we encourage you, speaking to the married couples, to spend time together in prayer. And love each other in rain or shine. I'm going to love you. 
Like no one's love you Come rain or come shine High as a mountain Deep as a river Come rain or come shine I guess when you met me It was just a one of those things But don't ever bet me Cause I'm gonna be true Like no one's loved me Come rain or come shine Happy together Unhappy together And wouldn't it be fine Days may be cloudy We're in or we're out of the money Yeah, but I'm with you always I'm with you rain and shine You're gonna love me Like nobody's loved me Come rain or come shine Happy together Unhappy together And wouldn't it be fun Days may be cloudy or sunny Small enough to 